Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly, and this is Ageless. I'm 40, and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to Ageless. I'm Jane O'Reilly, and today I am joined by Florence Ann Romano. She is a personal growth strategist, author, philanthropist, and businesswoman. She's the vice president of business strategy for Yakety Yak, a full-service content marketing agency. Florence Ann is a proud member of the board of directors at the Children's Research Fund, as well as Female Strong. She is also a founding member of Sesame Street's Leadership Council, and after spending more than 15 years as a child care provider during which she was known as the Windy City Nanny, Florence Ann is the authority on child care and family support in this new millennium and has had more than 500 media appearances discussing these topics. Born and raised just outside of Chicago, Florence Ann shows us that not only is the saying, it takes a village true, but also how important the need for community is. Her new book, Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Life, was just released nationwide, and she's here to talk about it. Florence Ann Romano, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. I love your energy already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and likewise, I love your spark. You've got, you've oh. got a girl. Oh, you're too kind. Well, I, 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 I'm reflecting that right back to you. I honor that. Thank you. Yes. So I just want to start with what inspired you to write Build Your Village? Oh, gosh. Well, I was I was sitting around during COVID, just like I think all of us were during COVID. And I was looking at the landscape of kind of what changed in our lives. And I thought, gosh, on a global scale, we know what it feels like to lose our people, to lose our community, to lose our connection. And I thought, gosh, there's really not another time in life that I think we all know what that feels like. And then it was time for us to reemerge from that. And it was time for us to see people again and connect again. And people didn't really know how to do that. They not even not know how to do that. They didn't really want to do it again. You know, Netflix and yoga pants seemed a lot more interesting, a lot more fun than actually meeting up with someone in person. And so, so that, easy too, by right? the way. So easy. So, so easy to do that. I'm totally guilty of it. But I started thinking about how important connection was and how I heard people constantly bemoan the fact that, you know, are there directions to the villages? There are a phone number to call. You know, how do we find these people? And so I wanted to write a book that made that accessible. So I created six different villagers in the book that you identify with as who am I in other people's villages and who do I need in mine? And that was, to me, the way to start building that roadmap. I love the roadmap. And that actually leads me to my next question is in your book, you highlight the six types of villagers needed for a fully func functioning village. So what are their qualities and what are the characteristics? Tell us about these six types. So I'll start from the top and I, it's in no particular order. People ask me all the time, well, is the first one the most important one? All six are important, but I'm going to give a, a little definition attached to each. But the fun part about this too is without even giving a definition attached, I bet you're going to start thinking about who they are in your life already. So I'm going to say the six first and then we'll go through them. So six, accepting villager, dependable, cheerleader, communicator, organizer and healer. Now, before I even say anything, are you starting to cast those roles in your head? I've already attached a name to each one. I know. 
Jada, I love it. That is what I want. So, okay. So again, it's reflexive. And that's, again, the whole point of this book is it's not to feel like such a heavy lift. Because we've all read those books, right? Where you're like, I don't want, I can't do this. This is way too hard. Like, oh my God, this is like so much stuff, so many steps. I don't want it to feel like that. I want it to feel like a customized ecosystem. So let's start with that accepting villager. I always say that's the non-judgmental one. Think about the person that you've recently, or just not recently, just in general, reveal or confess a secret to. That's probably your accepting villager. Then you have your dependable. These, This is the emergency contact. I always joke and say the one that's going to answer the phone in case you're in a ditch somewhere. I don't know if anyone answers their phone anymore, honestly, but I do. So I'm basically everyone's emergency contact in my village everywhere. <laughs> I'm always the person they put on their kid's school list of like, if you can't get a hold of me, call Aunt Low. And so that's your dependable villager, the one you can count on in the emergency. And then cheerleader. This is your hype person, the one that's with you during life transitions that you can count on, not even when it's not like a great life transition, just the one that's going to pep you up, get you going, stand next to you through it, excite you, motivate you. Your communicator is the one, if you think about a stove, it's going to be the person that's the pot that's going to put the lid on it, not going to let that boil that water boil over, the person that really kind of is even tempered and curious. And then you have your organizer, the one you can delegate to that is going to give you peace of mind. Think declutter both your heart and your home. The one that you know that if you're going to ask for something to be done, they're going to be able to get it done. And then your healer, the one that makes you feel better, the one that is with you through it, whatever the it is in your life, not around it, through it, kind of your North Star, the one that is not going to fix the problem necessarily. That's not their, their job is to come in and fix the problem or fix you. It's the person to stand next to you through it, be with you through it. So those are the six. And kind of small definitions attached to each. No, that was, that was absolutely perfect. And I've actually heard you say that you, it's good to use those six um, types to vet out your village. Yes. You, again, you can have more than one of these. Like you may have like five accepting villagers and that's awesome, but you may have no organizer villagers. And you're like, you know what? That's where the void is maybe in my life. That's where I'm feeling kind of uh, depleted, or this is where I feel like I'm not getting the reciprocity necessarily. But then also let's, you know, talk about the, the nitty gritty. Maybe you have the wrong people in the wrong seats. Maybe you're asking your friend or putting them just kind of subconsciously in this healer role, but they're not a healer. They're, they're more of a a communicator. And so you need to kind of, you know, figure out kind of like shuffle around those seats because you know what, sometimes we wonder why our friends are coming up short. And that might be why is because you're not casting them in the correct roles in your village. And then thinking about who you are in other people's villages, maybe right now in your life, you have no capacity at all to be the dependable villager, but you could be a really good healer or you could be a really good cheerleader. It's again, doing that kind of self-evaluation, having that self-awareness of what do I need, but also what do I need to be for others? I think you uh, saw my questions before this podcast yes. because you absolutely like answered part of my next question. And it's how do we foster the villager qualities within ourselves? Well, again, we it's funny. I think you and I are just connected. We have that kindred spirit to us. So I think we're, we're, we just have that nice flow and that nice energy. But uh, fostering these, these qualities, I have to say my number one rule in life has always been to know thyself. 
And this book really, really demands you to do some vulnerable work to be honest with yourself about things that don't feel good. Uh, and, and sometimes looking inward isn't all that comfortable. And, and I'm not asking for people to do anything I wouldn't do myself here. Uh, you know, I, I do this work on a daily basis too. I struggle also too making sure that I'm being the right type of villager in, in my life and in those villages that I'm a part of. And also doing the work of figuring out whether or not my friendships are serving me in the right way. I have a chapter in the book that's called When the Village Burns Down. And, you know, let's be honest there. It does happen. It does burn down. Sometimes by accident or design that happens. But whether it's a death or a breakup or just a falling out with a friend, these are things that need to be navigated. And these are moments that deserve our attention to figure out how to navigate it, but then also realize that we are in control of fixing the situation. Whenever you feel out of control in life, there's always a place you can find control. And that's what I hope this book does is kind of an anchor for you. As your life progresses, the different seasons, no matter what is going on, you can come back to this place. I think that's beautiful. And it sounds like it's a step-by-step -step guide to be able to help navigate through the feelings of isolation or yes. to even build the village itself. Exactly. One thing I do in the book is I have gut checks and action steps. So at the end of each chapter, you're going to have three gut check questions. Okay, what did I learn from this? What am I absorbing? What am I processing? Easy, not hard questions, easy things. And then the action steps. What can I do today? Not tomorrow, not a week from now, not after a year of working on myself. What can I actually do today to take a first step? Because I like things that are accessible. I like things that feel doable because we're not going to do these things that feel like um, this is going to take me three and a half years to accomplish and there's no way I can put the time and energy into this. I need something that is going to work and it's going to fit into my life. And that's what those action steps, action steps and gut check questions, try saying that three times fast. Right. I still I can't. As much as I say those things over and over again, I still slip it up. Um, but that's the whole point is that self-awareness and fostering those things, those gut checks and action steps are all designed to do that fostering for you. And it sounds like it's something that you can't outgrow. It's something that you can do ongoing for the rest of your life. Right. It's evergreen in nature for a reason. I designed it that way because the truth is there's that quote, I'm becoming who I'm becoming. So it's a natural evolution in our lives. And, and the reason I talk about the seasons of life as you know, especially in this book is it's not as easy as we get older to make friends. I hear that all the time, especially from like the baby boomer generation, that they just don't connect with people the same way because their kids are out of school. You know, they're, they're, they're not friends with their, you know, kids, parents anymore. You know, they're not volunteering for field trips or they're not part of organizations maybe like they used to be before. So, you know, there are different capacities, different seasons of life. But again, the whole point of being able to go back to this book kind of like a work book uh, is so you feel like it's never not it's not never not a possibility for you. I want people to constantly know, again, like an anchor, you can come back to it and use it like a workbook. Go back and look at your notes or keep an online journal or write in the, in the book. I'm holding the book next to me. I keep looking at it over here, which is why I keep doing that. Uh, you know, keep 
going back to it in that way and keep those notes because you're going to see your own evolution. You're going to see your own process and the steps will always apply to you, whether you are 15 or 50. I love that. And I feel like the internal process really is the key. That is the key to the external being abundant. Right. So just having, having that guide, just knowing that it's there, everybody pick up this book. (laughs) Um, My next question was, I know we know that the importance of uh, the primary village, but isn't there a secondary village that we have? And like, what is the overlap between the two? How does that work? You know, you think about that primary villages. These are my besties. These are my ride or die people. And, you know, that's your friends or family, perhaps. But your secondary village are a lot more people than you may think. And I said this to a friend the other day. I was like, you know, that barista that you see every single day, you go and get that caffeine fix. She's like, yeah. I see her every day. Oh my gosh, I know this about her and this about her. She's like rattling off all this stuff. I go, yeah, she's part of your secondary village. She goes, no. And I was like, yes, that person is someone in your life. Probably a person you talk to or see more than people in your primary village, that barista. But look at what that my friend knew. My friend knew about her, like her family, how many kids she had. She has daily conversations with this woman. She counts on her for something. There's a transactional relationship there. But that's a person in your secondary village and a person that you definitely cherish for sure. I love that. And I, the first person that came to mind was my barista also, (laughs) because I go to a place at work and they see me all the time and I, I, they don't know enough about me, but I guess that's okay. But I love that secondary village. So when do we need our villages the most? I love that question because I feel like the intensity of that changes. I feel we always need our village, but sometimes there's crisis moments. And that's when you see a village really come together. I, you know, people always talk about technology and it's too much and too much social media and the bullying and everything that goes on. But then there's the humanity that you see. You see those GoFundMe, you know, pages that come up for someone you don't know. And all of a sudden they've reached like a million dollars and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, people are good. Most people are good. That country song that I love so much, uh, that most people are good. And, and, And that does change how you feel about the world. But those crisis moments of village, I think is, when most people go to that, most people are probably attached to that, thinking that's when village comes out, when maybe someone in the community, you know, their their father or mother has passed away or even God forbid a child or something like that. And people come together and they have meal trains or, you know, they're stepping in to you know drive the kids to school um, or be there to drop off target runs, groceries, things like that. Those are crisis moments of village. But then again, there's village when things are going well. Um, for example, I'm going to use me right now in my life. My book came out February 21st and all of a sudden it was just this onslaught in the most gorgeous way of people sending me pictures and DMs and text messages and phone calls. If I got the book, I got it. I'm reading it or pictures of them with their friends and having a book club. And that was my village showing up for me in that moment saying, we're putting this into into action. We're showing up for you. We believe in you. And that to me, gosh, I wish I could have written it in the book. You know, it was such a beautiful moment of solidarity. And so there are many different ways to lean on your village and also ways to lean on your village that don't mean it's person next door to you, that it's even in your geography right now. It's even in your proximity. 
I, for one, one thing I do for friends and family that don't live in my state, I always use DoorDash um, to send gifts to them. Like if they had a new baby and I'm like, listen, honey, I'm going to send you dinner for the next two nights. It's coming on DoorDash. Let me know if your family has any allergies, if you have any cravings, whatever it is, it's going to come between five and six on these days, whatever. And they live in Tennessee. You know what I mean? So that's a way I can show up for my village. And that's a way I can do that. That, that is not a heavy lift. I'm on my phone all day anyway. Might as well click around a little bit and send people some food. See right. <laughs> you are so sweet and be proud. Congratulations on the response of your book and just that your book is out. I mean, that just shows that you truly do have a superior village around <laughs> you. And that's just a beautiful thing. And it sounds like this was part of your life's work was to get this book out. Thank you. I, I really feel it's been written on my heart forever. And I was actually just talking to one of my best girlfriends last night. And I said, Bethany, I said, who you remind me of, actually, I just, I was like, I think that's why I love you so much. I said, did you find yourself in the book? She goes, what did you mean? And I said, well, you're in there. And she was like, I don't think I even read it thinking in mind, like what stories you were telling that had to do with you and me. And I said, well, you're in there. And I do sell, tell specific stories. I said, but one thing I want you to understand is, a lot of the advice and the feelings that I have about certain things or the experiences I have had have been things you've walked through with me or next to me, or you and I have talked about in depth, you know, when we're together and have, you know, time cozy on a couch to chat or a phone call that's 20 minutes in the car while you're taking your kids here and there. That's all part of the mosaic of why this book was created was because I have this mosaic of people in my life. I take a little bit over here and a little bit of here and a little bit there, and it becomes this part of me. And I reach into that mosaic and I use that to live my life. And so all of these people in my village have become a part of this book. They're the fiber of the book. Um, and, and without them, without being able to experience the things I have with them, had the conversations I've had with them, this book wouldn't exist. So it did take a village to write the book. The village is the reason the book exists. I love the analogy of the mosaic. And it just sounds like that was your blueprint. Yes. That was your blueprint. That was the blueprint. So with that in mind and the blueprint, how do we step fully into our healthier selves? The healthier self. I love that you said it that way, because I think a lot of the time, and, and I'm guilty of this. So let me just reveal this about me. I have been a people pleaser probably for much of my life. And I'm like a recovering people pleaser. I think sometimes I feel, you know, because that is different. Being a people pleaser is different than living a life in service of others. And that's my philosophy, right? Living a life in service of others is why I think that I'm here on this earth. I have no idea what the meaning of life is, but to me, that's my meaning of life is to live a life in service of others. But pleasing other people means that you are not paying attention to your own needs. That's how I interpret it. If I'm a people pleaser, that means I'm forgetting about myself. But if I'm living a life in service of others, that means that I am putting others first. But in order to do that, I'm putting my oxygen mask on first in order to do that for others. So there's a difference there. That's what I think, Jaina, is the difference. Am I saying your name right, by the way? I want to make sure. Yeah, absolutely. You got okay, it right. Thank God. You got it right. Jaina, I want to make sure because please tell me if I did it. Um, I think that is the difference between, uh, that's how we differentiate, may I say, being healthy and stepping into that healthy, healthful relationship that we have with ourselves and others is understanding those are two very different things. 
Absolutely. I loved the oxygen mask analogy. And actually part of my village, I'm associated with a 12 step group and that is my community. Those are my people. I, that's why it was so easy for me to go down the list of the types that you were, um, the types of villagers that, that are needed in our lives. That's why it was so easy for me to name (laughs) off who's in my life. Um, if I didn't have that community, I would still be in isolation. And I've shared this before on my podcast that I went through this period of depression and isolation, and it really did a number on my emotional health, on my mental health and on my physical health. And so when you were talking about what inspired you to write this book and during the time of COVID where Mm -hmm. all of us experience isolation on a level that maybe we've never experienced before, um, I want to go back to that. I want to talk about isolation and, you know, what is the importance of the village for anyone experiencing isolation, because I know for me, it saved my life. My village saved Saved my life. life. Yeah. And that 12 step program, like you said that you're doing, I want to touch on that for just a second, because I think that work that people do in a 12 step program, whatever it is, the, that awareness and that connection to yourself and that connection to an emotional language is so important. And that's where I feel we're still working on that as a society. Not everybody's as comfortable having an emotional conversation or using that emotional language. But in that 12, in a 12 step program, you are having to identify a lot of different things about yourself and about others and 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 the external forces and the internal forces. And so a book like this is is touching kind of on on that work. Um, but the isolation part of it, uh, I think people isolate for a lot of different reasons. It's not always for a global pandemic. You know, we isolate ourselves just in life just because maybe we're not feeling so confident about ourselves or we are dealing with um, depression issues or we are going through perhaps a time in our lives where we're overwhelmed or overstimulated. And then this is the common denominator. The isolation usually leads to not asking for help. And that asking for help and letting love in is very difficult, I think, for people to do because it automatically makes you think about the weakness that is inside of you, perhaps that you, that, that exists within you. And I hate that because it's not weakness, you know, asking for help, but I need to take my own advice. Sometimes, sometimes I don't pick up the phone and call my girlfriends when I'm going through something. Cause I'm like, you know what? No, 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 no. You can handle this. You know how to do this. You can get through this. And yes, you can. Yes, you can sometimes get through it on your own, but it doesn't mean you should. And I think that's the whole point of point of the isolation is, why are we making it harder on ourselves? Why are we why are we retreating? Why aren't we letting people in? Why aren't we asking for that help? Because when we do, we feel the difference. We see the difference of what it's like to have arms around you. So I I grapple with this myself too, thinking about why why do we isolate ourselves when we we are meant for connection? Yeah. We're made for it. And I, like you always feel like, oh, I can get through this on my own. You know, I want to keep everybody at an arm's length. I can do this. I'm strong enough. I have the tools, but like this podcast has just been all about it. It does take the village because, you know, we're giving another person the opportunity to be of service. 
Yes. And I feel like that's the language of love and, and love is a universal language and, and just allowing somebody else to show up for us is both self-love and giving another person the opportunity to be of service. And I think that we feel a lot of guilt for some reason about asking for that help because we're nervous about when we can reciprocate. We think it's tit for tat that someone's keeping score. Right. Now, it's again, right. There's a big difference though between someone walking all over you and constantly, you know, taking advantage of your kindness and your love. And then also knowing that, you know, this ebbs and flows, you know, in life and how you need a person and when they show up for you. My one of my best friends and I always say to each other, it's really nice that both of us understand that we both can't be a mess at the same time. We take turns doing that. Right. So, you know, it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. Like, all right, you can be a mess now. I'll be a mess later. And it just works out that way. And it's just so funny that hardly ever is it happening at the same time. But um Again, I want to touch on something too about, you know, asking for that help. The idea that we need to have tons of friends, tons of people in this village, that's not going to solve this. It's a quality over quantity situation. You're looking for the right people to be in the right seats, the right people to fit into those villager categories, because this is what's going to happen. You're going to just start putting tons of people in your life and they're not going to be the right kinds of people. And you're still going to wake up feeling depleted, feeling lonely, feeling overwhelmed, feeling isolated, feeling all of those things. Some of the loneliest people I know have the busiest social calendars. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that it's not about the amount of people. You actually have to be doing the work to find the alignment with people. Right. Cause everybody has a surface friend or multiple surface yeah. friends. I, I lived a life like that for a really long time where I had a lot of people around me, but I didn't have deep connections. I maybe had one or two, but I was spending so much time with the surface friends. My life was so surface, but until I went inward, that's when my life got better. That's when I felt like I was feeling, I was filling up spiritually. So how did you, can I ask you a question? How did you just, how did you intentionally make that choice? I mean, obviously it was intentional. How did you go out then and seek those people that were going to fill what you're describing? Well, I spent, I went into this depression and a lot of it has to do with mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went and sought out help because I got to a place of suicidal ideations and I, I'm not a suicidal person. I'm a genuinely happy, peaceful, vibrant person. So for me to be suicidal was like, okay, something's not right here. So I went and sought out help. And, um, in the process, I also was abusing alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. and I, I just hit a rock bottom on so many levels and I had to dig my way out. So I found a 12 step group to help me through the process. And, um, I'm happy to say that I'm sober today and I have a huge network of people around me. You know, I've had this podcast for a minute and, you know, people have walked through that process with me on this podcast. And I want to thank everybody who's listening today for your support and genuine concern. And, you know, I share at a general, uh, in a general way here on the podcast when it comes to that kind of stuff, but it's, it's real. You know, I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. There have been others that have opened up to me a little bit more about suicide, about their experiences with um, drugs and alcohol, their experiences with isolation, friends that they've lost due to 
you know, um, substance abuse and, you know, anything and everything under the sun. And it just gave me the, the courage and strength to come forward and share a little bit more on a deeper level. But mm-hmm. I've always had a huge spiritual life. However, it was stifled a little bit because I wasn't growing. I wasn't right. growing and I was going so inward to the a place mm-hmm. of isolation because I just couldn't even get out of bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just that kind of crippling type of depression. And like I said, I'm not a depressed person, but I had to go deal with some of my mental health issues. And so I encourage anybody out there who's listening, if you're feeling under the pile, it might be just a little bit more than it it just might be bigger than you. Yeah. Reach out for help. There's nothing wrong with getting help, finding a therapist, you know, you could probably speak to this too. Thank you for sharing. Also, I, I'm so proud of you and congratulations to you. That is a, it it takes a lot of work. And I, and I think that that's also something we need to honor in each other is when someone goes through something as, as, as intense as you went through and, and you're telling us about that journey, none of that happens without putting the effort into it, the work into it. And it's messy and it, it hurts. And it, you know, you feel like an exposed nerve, I think when you're going through something mm-hmm. like that. And so I am, I'm honored to know you and thank you for sharing that. And I, I have gone through my, my own, you know, struggles too. One thing I do talk about in the book actually is, um, I went through IVF, um, to freeze my eggs when I was 35 and I was popped up on every hormone and I, it was a mess. I was doing egg retrievals and I was freezing, I was doing all this and I, it, it, it changed my chemical, my, I mean, the chemistry in my brain and I, and I, I don't know who I was. I don't know who I was then. I lost the brightness in my eyes. I became someone that my family didn't recognize. I, 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 my body was going through so much and it just messed with me so much. And I think anyone who's gone through IVF knows that those hormones are a lot, but it, it changes your mental state. And it scared me. I have to say, because I, 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 I didn't want to get out of bed too at certain points. And I was feeling very bad about myself and I was having thoughts I had never had really before. And it, it, it scared me. And I, and I, cause I didn't recognize myself. And then I think that's lose, losing that, losing that anchor within myself was very profound. And, and, and I never thought it was going to be me. I thought I was so solid, you know, that I would never really veer from, from who I was. Um, and so I remember reaching out to one of my best friends at one point, and I think maybe it started with her texting me, just asking how I was doing. And I said, simply, I'm just, I'm not okay. I just, I just, I'm just not okay. Nothing feels good right now. I'm sad all the time. I'm crying all the time. These hormones are getting the best of me, whatever it was. I just can't see past the fog. And it was the first time I think I said it out loud that I was having a really hard time with it. And all of a sudden she was my, she was my lifeboat that I kind of just, you know, kind of crawled into and she couldn't fix it. I still had to go through the journey and eventually I was going to come out of it but she was my healer in that moment. It was the person that was walking with me through it, not fixing the problem, just saying to me, 
I know it's going to get better. You will find yourself again. It is temporary. This too shall pass, whatever it is, just reminding me of all of that. And also making sure I was talking to my therapist and making sure I was having conversations, keeping myself accountable. So that's a long tangent way of saying I, I, I can relate to some of the feelings you're saying to me. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners feel out there is when you lose yourself for a minute or you don't recognize yourself and, and those lifeboats around you, you know, those lifelines around you. And I, and, and in my book, I do talk about a lot of different scenarios where I had to really lean on village and get out of my own way. Thank you so much for sharing at such a transparent level. I really sure. do. I relate to you. I feel that kindred spirit with yes. you. I really do. I feel like you're my soul sister. I do too. Oh gosh, I do a hundred percent. And God, those healers, aren't they a gift? I have a woman in my life who was that for me and she didn't fix the problem. She just guided me in the right direction and she showed me love and she put her arm around me. And that is what I needed. We held hands and walked through the process together and it gave me the courage and strength to go deeper with my mental health and know that this might be bigger than me. This might be something that I never thought I would have, but it's something that is in front of me. So I have to make a choice. I can either stay in the pain or I can go find my purpose again. And by doing that, I have to heal. I have yeah. to heal to get to the purpose-driven life. That's so beautiful. You gave me goosebumps saying that you have to heal and oh gosh, healing. Oh, healing's painful. <laughs> Sounds like an oxymoron, but it is. I mean, when you have to heal from, from whatever it is in your life, it is a journey and it takes as long as it takes, as they say. But you know, one thing I talk about um, also in the book is the common denominator with kind of all six of these villagers and that's compassion. And being a consciously compassionate person. Uh, I don't think you're able to really show up for people in life unless, unless there is some level of compassion. And we talk about this, you know, we talk about empathy. It's a word that's thrown out, thrown around a lot. And I like to feel like it is this ripple effect of empathy, the empathy effect, if you will. And that's what consciously being consciously compassionate is about is being intentional about how you show up for people, how you take care of people, how you reveal your heart to people, how you take care of their heart, cradle their heart. But then also instead of thinking of, of life as that lifestyle, that empathy is a part of your lifestyle or compassion is a part of your lifestyle. What we're really talking about here today, it's a love style. And and I think that's the most important thing uh, to take away from, you know, why the why of you, you build it, building your village is because you want to participate in that love style. And that makes it very active and it gives you all the feels and it connects you and it grounds you and it anchors you. Uh, I like when when words make you react to something in a physical way. And that's what it, it did for me, this love style. I've never heard that before. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I love, love style. I'm going to start using that. I'm stealing that from you if you don't mind. You're welcome to. Absolutely. <laughs> so where can we buy 
build your village. Anywhere books are sold, you I know everyone, you know, loves to hop on there on Amazon and it shows up at your door like in a matter of hours. What do we do before Amazon? But anywhere books are sold, you can go right to my website to florencesanromano.com. I'm all over social media and I I really don't want people to feel alone. So please you know, DM me, get in touch with me. I am your virtual village. I'm here to work through all of this with you just to support you. If you don't have one of these villagers in your life, let me be the virtual version of that for you. Um, but please connect with me. That's my favorite part of all of this is, is really being able to connect. And you've been doing this for quite a long time. I love what brought you, like, what was the migration from being a nanny to yeah. like digital content creation? And now- <laughs> as a writer, which is also content creation, but you know, how did you get to where you are now? You know, I, I feel like I'm being guided in a lot of different ways. You know, I'm just kind of paying attention to the signs around me. Um, but I, I do believe that as a nanny, I, I observed a lot of relationships and dynamics and families, but I also have always been very curious about human connection and just human nature in general. And so after I retired from being a nanny and started my business with content creation, I wanted to focus on businesses that told a story in an emotional way that had a mission. I wanted businesses that had mission-driven businesses. There was a give back factor because philanthropy has always been very important to me. And as you know, that business progressed and we were and we were working with different companies that were so focused on showing up for people. You'll see this common theme in my life. I really enjoy being around people that I feel do what Maya Angelou, my favorite quote is, people forget what you said, people forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I've always said that that is my goal in life is to make people feel a certain way. And that my business, I feel really did a great job of working with brands that did a great job of making sure people felt a certain way. Uh, and then when, when COVID happened, it really just kind of blew it all up, you know, in, in terms of blew it all up in a beautiful way. Sometimes there's beauty in the breakdown where I just saw it all so clearly that that phrase, it takes a village, is usually associated with people raising children. But what about the people that don't have kids? Don't they deserve a village too? Doesn't everybody deserve to find their people? And then Build Your Village was born from that. I think it's fantastic. I think everybody who's listening should go get a copy of Build Your Village. You know where to find it and make sure to follow Florence and Romano. Thank you so much for joining Ageless today. You are just the epitome of what the show is all oh. about. It's all about living your life at your highest level, going deeper. And I just really appreciated this time with you today. Thank you. You are such a light, a precious light in this world. And the work you're doing is so very important. So I am honored to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode.